Sports and brought to you all basketball season long by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, thoriumwealth.com for more information. Full disclosures, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, wealth.com. Our thanks to them for their support of the show and of the podcast. We're also brought to you tonight by Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. Um, you can check their website, secondstringsports.com, second with a two. Our thanks to them as well. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Thursday, February the 27th. Uh, March is literally right around the corner. Um, we're going to talk about Virginia's victory in Blacksburg last night. We'll preview the game against Duke, and we'll do a little bit of a bubble check-in um, uh, later on. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. For tonight, at least, everybody is one Justin Ferber up in Reston. How are you, buddy? I'm hanging in there. Uh, I don't have the coronavirus or the flu uh, or a beard, so I guess I'm going to be safe. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional Woody banter. Uh, Dave not with us tonight. He is battling, uh, his home at least, is battling flu B, um, he said. Uh, he and I guess his younger daughter are quarantined in the basement in hopes of not catching it. So uh, everybody out there, send some, some good juju. <laughs> I guess that Dave and, uh, and his littlest are, are able to avoid it. Um, um I'm not really sure if uh, if just quarantining yourself into the basement really does the trick. <laughs> I was just about to say that. I was like, <laughs> it's not like it's like a, a zombie upstairs, like walking around. But I don't know. Maybe it will. I hope it works for him. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I guess if it's somewhere where like the people that are sick haven't been, like there's no you know germs on stuff or whatever. But I mean, hey, he probably knows better than me. He's closer to a doctor than I am. <laughs> He's he probably is. Um, so anyway, so our, 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 uh, our thoughts are with them as they try to, uh, um, to make sure that they, uh, don't get, uh, um, they don't get the, uh, the bug. All right. So let's talk about, uh, Virginia's win, um, last night in Blacksburg. Uh, Cavaliers had a, a nice little cushion at the break, right? Virginia Tech scored all of 18, or excuse me, 11 points in the, uh, first half. Um, Virginia up by 15 at the break. And pretty quickly thereafter, though, the Hokies came out and, and clearly it was going to be a different half. Um, they only made one of their 13 three-point attempts in the, in the first 20 minutes uh, and made their first shot 12 seconds in um, on a P.J. Horn three. And it kind of set the tone for me a little bit like, OK, yeah, the, the, the game is on now. Um, I was not surprised to see Tech hit shots. I was a little bit surprised that UVA seemed a little bit out of sorts. Um, communication seemed to be a little bit of an issue for them in terms of um, switching and, and that kind of thing defensively. Um, but, I mean, this team has an ability <laughs> to to make you uh, want to rip your hair out. No, to, um, to, to win games down the stretch. And, I mean, we can get into the nuts and bolts of how they were able to do it, um, and I'm sure we will. But, for, I mean, the thing as I was driving away in the snow, um, the blistery sort of rainy snow, last night was I mean can can you think of a way that they've needed to win a game that they haven't yet because it seems like they've run the gamut right they've they've been down and had to hit a shot to win they've been tied and they've had to, they've hit a shot to win they've had to execute the you know the fouling to get the guys on the on the foul line I mean they've pretty much done it all and it hasn't necessarily always been the same dudes I mean they they've kind of shared it a little bit last night Casey Morsell hits a big three uh, under two minutes left, which it did not, it did not put them up for good because they were tied, but they never trailed from that point forward. They were down, you know, briefly there between when um, um, Couture hit that uh, three pointer going into the under four 
which I guess technically meant 429. Um, but Morcell's three put them back ahead, and they never trailed again. Um, but it has been kind of a, a different, uh, you know, different times, different guys, that kind of thing. Um, have you ever been as confident? Or let me rephrase that. Are you are you confident in this team late in games? Because, I mean, are we watching a team that really knows how to win, or is it kind of fool's gold that you sort of have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt? I'd say I definitely have more confidence in them winning these sorts of games now that they've won some, right? I mean, right. before they were playing all these close games, but it felt like they kept losing them. Mm-hmm. And and their their wins were the games where, you know, they weren't necessarily blowouts, but they were winning by eight or nine or whatever, you know, like a somewhat comfortable margin, not one or two points. And, I mean, you saw that like the first time they played Tech, where they won by like 26 points. That was pretty much their one blowout. And then I think that was right before they lost the next three, uh, starting with BC. But, uh, yeah, I mean, now that you've seen them kind of, like, do it in so many different ways, like you said, and I would even put the Louisville game in there because they were down, what, like 16 or something, and they had to, they came back and took the lead. Uh, and, and obviously they didn't win that game, but that kind of shows you that they are able to make plays down the stretch in games to kind of at least put themselves in a chance to win. Um this one, you know, obviously they had the lead. It went away. They had to weather the storm and were able to do it. Uh, against Pitt, it was kind of the same situation, but sort of a microwave version where Pitt made their comeback like all at once. Uh, in North Carolina, you know, back and forth, but they had to take the lead on their last possession. So, uh, yeah, definitely more confidence than I had earlier in the season. But at the same time, I mean, you know, like I said after the game, the margins are still small. Right. Uh, and I think this is a game that, you know, as, as much as I want to give UVA credit for what they did, it, it certainly could have gone the other way if one shot doesn't go in here or there. Uh, but, I mean, really, like I, I tweeted this. It was like right after Couture gave them the lead. I said, you know, a lot of what's happening here is Tech is just really hot. Um, I mean, they had 42 points in the half. And it's going to come down to if they can turn their water off and get a few stops because I think that they can score enough to at least stay even with them. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Tech made that three. They didn't make any more. And they had already made eight and a half. And I think they tried two more. And and they got – I think they made two twos, but they didn't make any more threes. Um, and they're so three point dependent that if they're not making threes, I mean, you can you can hang around, and that's what happened. Uh, I would say I feel pretty good about it. I would like to see them in a situation like this on Saturday and kind of see how they do against yeah. a team that yeah. has a lot of talent. And you know, I think sometimes in these late game situations, it's like we know we're the better team. So even though they came back, we know we're. It's like all right, we're tied right now, but we still know we're better than them. So we can get a few buckets here and there and get some stops and try to win this thing. Or at least that's how it feels like the team is playing now. Against a team like Duke, you know, you kind of are like, uh, you know, all right, it's going to be tough to get stops or tougher than it is against the average team. But, yeah, I mean, certainly they this can't hurt them going down the stretch that they've had these games. Yeah, I kind of was on – I was thinking about this earlier. Um, I was on um, Wes McElroy's show here in Richmond, and, and he was asking me about it. And I said, you know, it's funny. I, I, this team does not play well with a lead, right? Past Virginia teams seem to almost revel in breaking you, right? Like, Cavalanche would come, and eventually you would just be decimated on the floor, right? This team's not that team, right? They get a 12-point lead. They don't turn it into a 25-point lead. Of course, they, they kind of did against Tech the first time. Um, but, you know, by and large, right? But you're talking about a team per um, our, our friend Bennett Conlon, uh, going to steal his stats. So they've been ahead in all of their ACC games, right, in the last five minutes. And they have been 
ahead in the last five minutes in 25 of their 27 games. Now, granted, a number of those games earlier in the ACC slate went against them, but they have really figured out a way to come through. And look, if I'm a team that expects to be, you know, a nice seed in the NCAA tournament in a few weeks, I don't want to see Virginia in my bracket. Like, and it's kind of fun in a way, right, to have the team that people don't want to get matched up with because, look, you want to prepare for, you know, whether it's a Thursday, um, Saturday, or whether it's a Friday, Sunday, you want to prepare for UVA on short, on basically short prep. It's like a knuckleball pitcher. Yeah, exactly. I mean, good luck with that. And I mean, especially when you don't see it all the time, like ACC team, I mean, like at some point, the ACC teams, especially the ones that have had coach continuity, they know how to prepare for UVA at this point. Yeah. They do it every year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you see it enough, right? Um, but those those people don't, and I mean, this team is good enough and certainly confident enough. Um, I forget who said it, and I, it was one of you two. Um, but that basically that Kihei Clark and Mamadi Diakite have a lot of what is going on moments, but man, they are really strong in the clutch. Like those dudes really do make the most hay when it matters most. And um, Look, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams out there in America right now looking at the postseason, hoping that they can be as confident as UVA seems to be in these games. I mean, like even last night, like that place was bumping. I mean, you know, you had you had basically given Tech fans who I'm pretty sure, like if if Tech had come out in that first you know segment of that second half and Virginia had continued to kind of put it on them, those those folks would have been gone. Right, but Tech did the exact opposite of that. Right, so they come out and they they hit the horn. Th- horn hits a three right off the um, off the first possession. They came down a little a few minutes later and had a uh, an and one. Um, I think Beatty hit a three um, somewhere before the under sixteen. So I mean, you could kind of feel it in the in the building. Like okay, yeah, the, it, the it, thing it is was, turning around a little bit. It was like it kind of felt like one of those games. Are and I and I said this. I think I might have texted it to Dave and you and you, but um, I was kind of like. If UVA keeps it, they need to keep it around ten because if it gets under ten, then then they're gonna Every, feel it. Right, everything, win. yeah, and that's exactly. And once what it happened. got to seven, eight points, it was like, uh oh. Now if they hit a three, it's a one possession. You know, it's like close to one possession game, and then they got it down to a three point game, and it's like, oh well, now it's a one possession. You know, yeah. all of a sudden they're in a one possession game. So. They got the run they needed, right? So it was it was eleven, and then they had that little eleven to two run um, going into the under eight. Um, so it was forty to thirty seven. Braxton Key goes to the line and makes two free throws. Virginia went from the 9-15 mark to the um, 4-29 without a field goal. Made all six of their free throw attempts in the middle, but in the but in I mean Tech Tech made one two three four threes just five threes sorry in that little span. I mean that I mean that kind of tells you exactly what happened to the lead. But I think the bigger point for me is is that like. Even when the thing felt, I mean, it just, it, you could feel it. And I mean, people who don't think momentum is real, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you could feel it in the building. And then all of a sudden Virginia just, you know, went out there and made enough plays to win. And it's credit to tech for turning it around and not letting the first game sort of beat them twice. I thought they looked a little bit um, out of sorts at times in the first half. But they were, but they they righted it. You could tell they were running good stuff. Yeah. The shots just weren't falling. And then once the I mean, shots yeah, weren't I mean, they falling, got they good were, shots yeah. in the first half. Yeah. Like, but, well, and I was thinking too, like defensively, they were just not as plugged in, and they, they were doing terribly against the pick and roll. Like yeah, the pick and roll stuff was killing them. And yeah. and then I think UVA kind of got away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean, like 
if you look at UVA's threes, I feel like they took a ton of threes in the second half. And I didn't really feel like their offense was playing that much worse. It was just like they couldn't – Tech was just coming down. And even when UVA was scoring, they were getting points back by making threes. So, you know, it's like they're trading two for three or zero for three. And all of a sudden it's – you know, they've gone on a 6-2 run on mm-hmm. two possessions, right? Right. So. Yeah, UVA shot was 3-10 in the first half from deep and then finished 6-21. So, I mean, they only took one more three, but it certainly felt that way because they just weren't running a lot of other stuff. And, you know, they only had they had only 11 turnovers, which is kind of funny to say because it still feels like bizarro world. It didn't really feel like that was a problem. last No, night. it didn't. It didn't. I mean, it, it, they were a couple of times in their runs late where you felt like Virginia was helping tech out a little bit. Um, but at the same token, I didn't get the sense that that was like the reason. So to they speak. had one really bad one and it might've been the possession where tech took the lead or like right around there where the game was getting tight. And I think Braxton had this play where he was like in traffic at the free throw line and he basically just like passed it right to a tech player. Um, yeah, yeah. on this little like handoff. And I was like, uh, <laughs> this is starting to get sketchy. Um, <laughs> but I mean like both, I think both teams kind of deserve credit cause tech could have, I've seen a lot of teams fold after going into halftime like that against UVA. But I think UVA deserves credit for like, you know, they, that they could, everybody could see that run coming and they kind of were like, all right, it's fine. Like it's, you know, they, they just shrugged it off and kept playing. And obviously it's weird. This is kind of an aside, but like Casey Morcel hits that big three in the corner. I feel like he's made like five threes in his career, and they've all been like really big. <laughs> he does have a knack. He has a knack for making shots that sh- like are really tough in general. Yeah, he had a um, big one against North Carolina, and I think yeah. he had a big one in one of those other games where he, it was well, like late in the game. He had a yeah, it was Arizona State. He he basically was. I mean, right. I don't say he was the reason they won, but I mean, he was a big part of that. Yeah. I mean, frankly, he made that first one, and I was like, oh. I mean, I really thought the second one was going to go too. I mean, and that would have been the dagger. Now his 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 first three was probably the more important of the two because of what it meant in the moment, right? So Tech had they desperately needed this. Yeah, score. Tech was on a four, you know, a little four zero spurt, the part of a seven to two run. It's two minutes and thirty some seconds to go. They're up, whatever, and Virginia has to, you know, they have to to score. Clark scores on a drive to cut it back to one, uh, and then Morcel makes a three to put him up two. Um, yeah, that sequence was so big because Tech had the ball up three and got like a charge or something. Yeah, yeah. And then the game kind of flips back to them mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, and 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 what uh, what I also thought too, like it was interesting because Morcel gets sort of like the the credit right for making a big shot in a big moment, but then also too he gets the learning moment of like you know he he rushed the second one a little bit. He didn't he didn't catch it clean. Um, I'm not sure where the shot clock was on that second attempt, the one in the corner. Um, you know, but he mentioned it. If you, you check out the video I got on the site, like he, he talks about, you know, not catching it clean and kind of bobbling it and it came off his hand wrong or whatever, but it does sort of underscore like, yeah, he, he's obviously, he's still got a lot to learn. Um, but he's got a lot there. And I think for people who, who really gave up on him to see him playing, you know, crunch time minutes like that, um, you know, he, he, he did it in Chapel Hill and he did it again in Blacksburg. I mean, those are, you know. Pretty good signs. I also thought, it, you know, not to not to plug the the video or anymore, but his somebody asked him about preparing for Duke, and his reaction was kind of perfect, which was basically like, okay, yes, sure, it's it's fun to prepare for Duke. Like he just he <laughs> he had like uh, I play for the team that won the national championship last year. If you don't know, sort of vibes when he answered it. I I, I very much enjoyed that. Um, I think the only thing other than what we talked about, we got to talk about Kihei Clark, dude. Like. Look, I'm not going to try to make the case. Like, Trey Jones is very good, and Trey Jones is probably going to be the ACC player of the year. And I'm not going to try to tell you that 
Kihei Clark should be player of the year because <laughs> that's a little much. But I am going to talk to you about all ACC, right? Now, I fully understand that because Trey Jones is also a point guard, you really can't like give him first team all ACC. Excuse me, you can't tell him say he's the player of the year and then also not have him on first team all ACC. But does anybody mean more? Imagine Virginia without Kihei Clark. Now imagine Duke without Trey Jones, right? Now maybe that Duke team is not nearly as good as they are now, right? But are they as bad as Virginia is without him? Now I understand that that's a um, somewhat convoluted way to <laughs> to discuss the thing, um, but I'm just curious to get your thoughts on that. Like I came away from last night thinking, like, dude, he not just the, not just the three to win it, right? Which he he clearly, I mean, dude is unflappable in those situations. Um, but just the fact that he's in that kind of conversation in and of itself, whether we whether he's the answer or not. I mean, that's not the season I expected from him and certainly would not have thought it was going to be after he, you know, what was that at the one at Florida, the game at Florida State where he had like nine turnovers or whatever it was. Yeah. How crazy, how crazy am I talking right now, Ferber? First team? Yeah, I, I, I think he's in, I think he's heavily in the discussion for first team. Even yeah, though I, I mean, know that he's not, that like you can't not put Trey Jones on first team and you're probably not going to have those two guys be the guards. Yeah, right. I think the problem is Vassell is having like a really nice season. Right. Um, I, I mean, I definitely would have Kihei on the second team. Oh yeah, if he uh, doesn't make second team, it's a travesty. And I, I think that's pretty good, you know, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, he's yeah, a yeah, guy yeah. For, that people exactly. were saying shouldn't be playing. Right? Exactly. Ago. Exactly. Or not. And and like no no shade at UVA fans who have who have been extremely frustrated with him. Um, I, it's weird know. because he has like he's doing so many good things, but he has one fatal flaw this year, and it's the turnovers. Yeah. But I really think that that's just more of a, a thing where he's trying to do too much. And uh, it's not like just being careless. I think it's more trying to force things that aren't there because there's not a lot there. Yeah. Um, I had a friend. There's not a lot of space on the floor. Right. He's trying to like make cross court passes and right. stuff. Uh, I had a friend who was texting me. God, what game was that? Um, God, what game was that? Now I can't remember what game it was. Basically, she was saying, um, you know, I'm done with like the idea that Kihei has too much. Like, like he's he's got to he's got to be better. And I think part of that is is that like you see all of the good he does, and you just think to yourself, self, if I could just right. not have all of the other, you know what I mean? And so like, and he's I, got the ball so much. He's got the ball like, so much, right? So like, the mistakes are kind of emphasized because he's the one that's making them all the time. Exactly. Yeah. It's like. Before Woldis Inside came alive, right, and all of a sudden they could shoot a little better, including Kihei, who has been really good from deep um, of late. And somebody tweeted at me. Um, I forget who it was. I don't want to mess this up. But they said, uh, you know, he, it seems like his finishing around the rim has been cleaner. And I was like, yeah, that's actually right. Because yeah. I feel like early in the season and a lot last year, his finishing was not, not all his fault, but he had to be so creative because he's so small. And so it's just – trying to find ways to not get blocked. And um, he's done a much better job with that, with the exception being really late in the game. And I think that's part of the problem with these leads is like this running the – they're trying to run the clock out, which everybody does. Um, and that offense isn't working because it's so much of it is just him taking people off the dribble. And when they know that he's going to go up with the ball with two seconds on the shot clock, he's going to get blocked. Right, um, right. Because everybody can just converge on him knowing that he can't kick it to another guy. Right. And I, I kind of think that as like, it's, it's hard for us to remember now 
um, because of his um, because of the way Walden's inside and the shooting and the offense has kind of gone back to maybe some more traditional UVA. But for a long time, like their entire offense was whether or not Kihei would either drive or pass correctly, right? And like when you are that simplistic, it's easy for defenses, especially when you know you're not you're not the biggest, most athletic dude, and you can just take it to the rack and finish through contact. Like he had a lot on him. You know, like his numbers, what is he? He's averaging, I think, the most minutes in the league at 37 plus. He's averaging, I think, second. He's second in assist to Trey Jones. And he's only like, he's like a half an assist behind him. Um, which, if you think about it in terms of how much Duke scores versus how much UVA scores, like, that's kind of absurd if you think about it, that like he's that close. But, I mean, he, he for a long time this season, has been such an integral part of the offense. I, I just don't even know, like, um, what they would be without him, um, and, and and like I, it's it's funny though because at the same time I'm saying that like I get the frustration I watch the games I see the turnovers so many of them feel like because he does a thing sometimes where he jumps he's not really sure what he's going to do with the ball yet and that is a that is a glaring yeah. thing that Ray Charles could see right like yeah he does he does a thing sometimes where it's like he decides to make the move before he knows where he's going to go with it. Um, like he'll go into the lane and it's like, okay, where, like the announcer last night even said it, there was one where he was like, where is he going? Like he, <laughs> he kind of just like ran into the paint and he ended up either getting blocked or tra- he traveled. Um, and it, I think it was kind of a, was that the one ball. with the, was that the one with the Euro step that went yeah, wrong? It was, that's exactly what it was. It was later in the game, but it was still, it was like, why did he go there? Right. I mean, and I think I understand what people are like. I get that because it is weird, but I, again, I think it's a function of him just trying to, you know, um, do that little bit extra to try to make something happen by carving people up and then kicking to open guys. And right. I mean, I think that's something that it's not something I really worry about him in the future, like next year, obviously right. it hurt them this year, but I think if he has better shooters around him in general, I think that that the space will open up for him and he won't turn the ball over so much. I have not, I have not done the research on this, so I'm going to pull this, uh, out of my butt. Um, but I don't worry about him turning the ball over in big moments, right? Like I, I think he turns the yeah, ball. Yeah, it's over. like it's like wasted possessions in, in the, the middle. middle. Yeah, it's yeah. like you know, there's fourteen, seventeen to go in the second half, and he turns it over again, right? That's very different than Virginia. Like that shot last night that he hit. I mean, it, what what could you like? What could you possibly have wanted more, right? My dude just comes down, hesitation dribble, gets due to lean, step back. I mean, pure. I mean, maybe if they had anybody other than Jalen Cohn guarding him, he'd have had that length he had to shoot over. But I mean, yeah, Jay- and, and it was a good time. I mean, like I was at first when he stepped back to shoot, I was like, oh wow, there's too much time. And then it was like, okay, it's only like three seconds or whatever. That's fine. And then it goes in. So, um, so I felt like out. I felt like, right. I just felt like for a lot of people, I get it's it's it's, it's very interesting because like normally when the fan base is like raw, I'm I'm typically like not that. Like I, I, it's almost like they, like it's, it's almost like it, um, it, it, I, I'm always, almost always the opposite, but this one I can understand, but I think you take your key from, from Tony who is like never apparently upset with key. Like you can't get him to say anything negative about Kihei, which is, which has been telling to me all season. It's almost like Tony had, and we've talked about this before, right? Like tone understands, or excuse me. He understood earlier than everybody else, which is understandable, right? He understood this is what the team is going to be. We're just going to have to live with it, 
right? And credit to him, as I said on radio today, like credit to Tony for for being willing when the when they didn't have the shooting to to open it up, run a little. Um, but you know, it's like at the end of the day, the team that they have now is probably as close to. Um, I don't want to say peak UVA, but like this year's team, right? Like what, what would you like to see more of? You'd like to see Marcel and Statman hitting a few more shots. You'd probably like to see Jay Huff being more consistent. Um, and you'd probably like to see turnovers, you know, continue to dwindle versus go up. But I mean, realistically, like in terms of what they have, the team as they are playing right now, it's, 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 it's pretty close, I think, to, to where they can go. Um, I'm going to ask you one question about that, and then we'll transition to the Duke game. So with you know three games left in the regular season, Greensboro on the horizon. Where do you, where like are they? Have they reached that ceiling yet? And if not, where where can you where do you see you can trim some fat from this team? That's a good question. Uh, wow, it's like you prepared. That's a good <laughs> job by you. I have my moments. Yeah, it's like you're thinking of questions ahead of time. Um, <laughs> I really think. I think they're getting close to that ceiling because I'm still kind of being a realist about it. Like if you look at what they did last night, they scored 56 points um, against the team that's not very good on defense. I mean, they're fine. Um, but you saw the breakdowns they were having in the first half. They played hard in the second half. Uh, but I mean, at the, you know, it's we're, we're not looking at it because I tweeted this last night and I had a lot of people agree with me and then some people that didn't. And what I basically said was, they're not really, really, really far ahead of where they were before, but they are better than they were in January. And those like margins are not very big, but it is enough to turn some of these like close losses, you know, 52 point efforts into 56, 57, 60 point efforts. And that is enough to win a lot of these games in a league where every game feels like it's close, you know, no matter who's playing. Um, we're going to get into Duke in a second, but I mean, just look at their last game. Uh, and I think that's fine for this team. Some people said, I think this team's way better. I just don't see it that way. I think that they are better in, a, in some areas. Like, the shooting isn't as atrocious as it was early in the season. Um, what a glowing endorsement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is better. But, I mean, like, last night they shot 28.6% from three. That's not great. Like, that's fine. I mean, it's better than shooting three for 21, um, which is basically what they were doing earlier in the season. I think that they can be a little better, though. I do think that the ceiling is a little higher than where they're going or where they are right now. And I just think that, like, for example, last night, I think if they were really peaking, they probably don't let Tech come back and right. take the lead. That's fair. Yeah, that's Because fair. I think some of the stuff that Tech did was, a, was like UVA kind of being, I don't want to say lazy on defense, but just, like, not crisp. Um, like you said, like, switches were kind of sloppy sometimes. Guys were getting pretty good looks. And uh, and then like a few, there were a few breakdowns like letting guys into the lane late in the game. Um, so I think that they can clean some of that stuff up. It's not like they have one fatal flaw uh, across the board that's keeping them from being good. Like earlier in the season, it would have just been yeah they can't shoot. Um, right. But now it's like the defense sometimes will have a breakdown here and there. I still worry about them against the press. I mean we saw some of that like late in the pit game. Um, you know, I think, but I think they can, I think they can play a little bit better. Um, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like, like so I they, think they could have won last night by 10. Right. Yeah. You know, that's fair. That's very fair. Have lost, right? Yeah. They've got 11 turnovers that they, you know, let's say they, they trim that number to eight. Right. And yeah. let's say instead of going six of 21, they go 
you know, eight of twenty, eight of twenty one, or or nine of nineteen, right? Like you don't need a whole lot more. Um, you know, they were they were solid on the glass, which you would expect in this game given the discrepancy. I want to. I, I said we we're going to talk to talk about too. I, I I wonder if we're talking about ceiling and, and them at like their best. I think their best is when they're able to have both of those bigs on the floor and. Um, yeah, I mean that—that's the—that's probably the best lineup they have, right? And I think I think any sort of situation where they're forced to not have both Diakite and Huff on the floor, they're not quite at their best. Now, look, Huff played twelve minutes forty-seven seconds in this game, and I said on radio this week that like, or maybe it was on that tech podcast I did the other day, like it—it's it, going to be a rough night for UVA if he's not if he's not playing his normal minutes, un- unless it's you know about foul trouble. In this case, he kind of was more about the fact that like they just couldn't keep him on the floor um when, see the thing is it works both ways because in the first game i was like uh oh, huff and diakite should eat against this team because they don't have any bigs and then you but then tech's like okay well we'll just spread the floor like you know you know what i mean like on the other end so that makes it it makes it harder for jay to guard someone on their team and i mean i i, I did have an exchange with somebody on twitter on saturday where they were basically saying, you know, Jay Huff is the key to UVA's defense, which I'm not sure I believe that, um, like late in games because he's the rim protector. But against Tech, they're just like, we don't care if you have a rim protector or not. <laughs> like, we're just going to spread you out and shoot. So, I mean, having him out there doesn't really – he can't chase guys off screens. Like, you know, he's not going to be chasing Landers Nolly off of a screen, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like, because you knew what Tech was going to put on the floor – it's like Jack Salt. I mean, it's not quite the same, but, but like similar. Jack, no, Jack that's had a, games like Jack had games where he just didn't play because it just didn't work. I mean, national championship game, what do you play like a minute? Yeah. Well, and here's the thing though, right? Like if you don't have Jack Salt, you don't win the Purdue game, right? So there are times and yeah. Tony's whole system here about, you know, matchups. It was all matchups. And, right. The thing with Huff though is that he has the offense that if he is hitting shots and they and they're letting him take him, you know, what you know, whatever action they're running or what have you. He, he can kind of counteract what he takes away from you defensively. In a game like this, though, you're not even putting him in a position to, like, excel defensively because of the, you know, the, the when you're basically playing five guards, you know, that's just putting him in an impossible position. You know, he, he is not – it's not like he, he's un, incapable of, like, adjusting some, and his defense has been much improved this year. But when, when you hedge against a team that can shoot like this, right – and then the and then the driver can basically go at the hedge, right? So they basically wait until he he bails and then follow him down the lane, right? They don't have to do a whole lot of moving behind that to be able to get a to get a look or at least to get something to swing the ball. And that was something I thought Tech did a really nice job of last night. It wasn't the first pass; it was the second pass, and I thought they did a really good job of of maximizing. Um, maximizing what they were going to get against the scramble. I thought Virginia had a, some really nice moments in the scramble. There was that one I tweeted about where I just I, the, the fact that Tech didn't get a three off in that that one possession just blew my mind. Um, and Tony Bennett, like I, he 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 did a fist pump. Um, that was pretty, you know, you you could tell that that was that was a scramble that he really liked. But realistically, like trying to keep Huff on the floor was gonna be really tough. Um, and and I thought going in that if he wasn't out there, that meant that he wasn't hitting. At which point, that puts UVA's offense at a little bit of a, a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, all right, let's move over to Duke. Um, all right, so obviously Duke comes into this game a little bit different than maybe the Duke team we kind of thought they'd be, um, at least in terms of sort of their last game. 
double overtime loss. Um, I mean, I don't know how else to phrase. I mean, it's a it's a bad loss, right? Like um, that. I mean, certainly Virginia, <laughs> Virginia, <laughs> Virginia had its troubles uh, in the dash, right? Um, but um, I mean, to go to double overtime and lose, it, it just sounds like a bad scenario. Obviously, you know when you've got to play another game in a few days. I guess the one kind of silver lining for Duke is that so many of its dudes didn't play a lot of minutes because of foul trouble that maybe they won't be nearly as tired. Um, but I kind of look at this game Saturday or as you listen to this tomorrow, um, I literally could see anything happening. If Duke won by 12, it wouldn't surprise me. Virginia won by like eight. It wouldn't surprise me if this thing was nip and tuck. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, well, I mean, I would hope not because <laughs> every UVA game. Well, but, but, but see, what? but wouldn't this be the one? UVA's that, like, you're going to have to play us down in the dirt. <laughs> you're gonna make, we're going to make you play in the 50s, 55, 54, whether you like it or not. Yeah. You might, yeah, you might win, but, but it's not going to be fun. That's UVA basketball in a nutshell for the opponent. Um, <laughs> you play you down in the dirt. That's good. Um, I, I just don't I, look. This is like I'm not trying to say that Vernon Carey is not really good because he is, and I'm not trying to say Trey Jones isn't really good because he is. You know, um, I've never been. I'm going to say this out loud, and they're going to win by 30. I've never been as unimpressed with a Duke Arsenal as I am this one, and I don't mean that to sound like hot takey, right? But I just I think that's the that to me is the is the backdrop of why this team is 23 and five. Right and not twenty six and two, right? Like not just the Stephen of Austin loss, but I mean this is a team that lost by seven at Clemson, right? Then followed that up by losing by by six to Louisville at home, right? I got drilled by NC State like a week ago. I mean drilled, um, and then they lose at Wake Forest. Um, I, I've I, I know you know all of all of Virginia fans everywhere saw Duke losing in that game and thought ah crap, right? Um, the way Virginia's played, I mean, it kind of doesn't matter. But at the same token, like, what are you expecting from the Blue Devils on Saturday? Do you think they'll be more like the team that beat the crap out of Virginia Tech uh, last weekend or more like the team that either lost in in, in the Joel slash got drilled uh, in uh, PNC? Man. Uh, I mean, I think they're good. They're definitely, I mean, in a, in a year where it seems like nobody's good, they're they're decent. I mean, they're better than most, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and their offensive efficiency is usually good. It's, it's good again this year, but I, I mean, I watched a lot of that game and, and the foul trouble was definitely a factor at the end, but I mean, Wake was up double digits in the first half against Duke's regular players. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's just, I feel like they do this even when they are really good though. They'll have these games where they just like sleepwalk through it and, 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 a lot of times they come out on the winning end of a close game against a bad team, and everybody's like, huh, the typical Duke. Um, and then this one obviously didn't go their way. The, the, the NC State game is almost like more surprising to me because of the margin. Uh, but, you know, NC State is, and I wrote it in the Power Rankings today, the weirdest team, and, and they, they are so dumb. Uh, you know, beating Duke and then losing their next two, that's just the most NC State thing ever. <laughs> um, well, I mean, normally I would say like, well, that's not that big of a deal, but losing to like bad Carolina twice is pretty bad. Um, with Duke, I mean, 
I think that they have some things that can give UVA trouble because I think uh, if they get hot, I mean, then if, if they can get to the mid-60s, then it's going to be hard for UVA to win the game because UVA just doesn't play in the mid-60s very often. Um, I think UVA has the bigs to kind of play with Duke's bigs. I mean, I think that that could be a kind of a tough matchup for Duke. It's really going to come down, I think, to UVA's offense and how yeah. many shots they make. Yep. If, if they come out and shoot the ball well and get off to a good start, then I think that things can go really well. Um, if you remember last year when they played at JPJ, um, I, I think Duke shot made like nine threes yeah. in the first two minutes of the game yeah. or something. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so like, if, I'm not saying UVA needs to do that, but if they could, if they can keep from getting in a hole, I think that it, at not, you know, at a minimum, it it goes down to the wire. Um, that was, I was, that's kind of where I was thinking too. Like for me, uh, no spoilers on the preview, but, um, for me, like, dude, this Duke team actually kind of defends when they're plugged in, right? If you can get Vernon Carey away from the basket. And I think a lot of what, like, I, I feel like a lot of what Virginia ran against Florida state, um, will work here. I'm not, I'm not, I will not be surprised if K throws out a zone. Um, I think everybody should be fully prepared for that. But I think the the trick is is that you've got to make you you've got to really make hay out of your 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 length and your athleticism. Like Carrie is a beast, and you're going to have to hope that Mamadi can can handle him. Um, I'm guessing you're going to bring Poppy in for um, spot duty on Carrie, if not for another reason than just you know fouling three four times. Um, the, the difference with this Duke team, though, is other than Trey Jones, you don't really have anybody who can get to the rack with consistency. Now, Stanley is extremely athletic. Wendell Moore is very, you know, is a really good player, and I don't, I'm not throwing shade at him. I just mean in terms of the Duke teams we've seen, they're used to having, you know, these six, seven length oriented kind of guards, right? And that's not to say that, you know, Cassius and, and Wendell are, what, six, six or so. But like they're just not as physically imposing, maybe as like, yeah, Zion. But you know, R.J. Barrett or um, those kind of type, those kind of type dudes. I yeah, I mean, like UVA. I don't think they're in. Um, I don't think they're like gonna be outclassed athletically. Um, like they could be again. Like Duke last year. I mean, UVA had a pretty athletic team last yeah. year, but Duke was on another level. Yeah, I mean, they had exactly. like multiple lottery picks. Including like the biggest freak we've seen in at least a generation in college yeah. basketball. Right. And UVA still, I mean, the, both games were close. I mean, obviously a much better UVA team than this year. But even in that game, they were able to stay in the game against those guys. So, I mean, they obviously have one big guy that, that's going to be tough. And, and they have a few other guys on the wing that that can make big plays. But but I think UVA's wings, like the the defense, like, like well, the 10 size defense has come a long way. And I, Braxton, I mean, as much as he has his own limitations as a player, most of those are on the offensive end, I feel like. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- was, I think... he was pretty solid last night in a way he hasn't been lately. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If he can knock down those jump shots, he gets pretty good jump shot looks. It's just like whether... It, you just have no idea whether they're going to go in or not. Um, he has been making his layups, though, which is nice. Uh, and, and some free throws. But, uh, I mean, I just mean, like, you know... he. I'm not saying he's a disappointment, but he probably just isn't as far along as an offensive player as I thought he was when he transferred to UVA. Um, but I, I think he's the kind of guy that can that can guard a, a young Duke wing and and make something out of it. 
I really think it comes down to how many how many shots UVA makes, uh, particularly from three, and, and barring some crazy Duke outburst like we've seen before, where they just go crazy from from deep. But I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to come down to if UVA has like a bunch of really cold stretches, I don't think they're going to win the game. Um, but if they can put together a good start specifically, and then just try to lock down on defense and, and try to play with a lead. I think that, that that would be a much better recipe than trying to do what you did against Louisville and try to put together like an insanely hot run um, to come back into the game. Cause that's just, those things are hard to do. What Wolda Tenside did in that game is like once a season, maybe um, yeah, you're not going to see that game in and game out. Yeah. Um, one of the th- other things that's concerning for me, at least as far as UVA's chance to win this thing, Duke is puts a lot of pressure on you. Uh, in terms of the ball, yeah, right, like they're top thirty-five-ish or so in the country in steal percentage. Um, they always, I mean, like the last few years, especially. Well, Trey Jones last year was really good with that too. Um, yeah, they so, they just do a good job of, and Tyus Jones before him, you know, they they do a good job of ball pressure. They they that's one area where Coach K does a really good job. I mean, he he gets kind of this bad reputation for their defense, but I think a lot of that is more um in the half court and not yeah. like they, they do a pretty good job with like on ball pressure and stuff yeah. like that well and, and he had a couple of those teams those you know f- those first few one and done years once the thing kind of transitioned over who were just super suspect on d and it, that yeah was, i think a lot of that was just youth like right. they just yeah. don't know how to defend together and they probably don't like those guys i mean you've seen them on the aau circuit they don't prioritize defense those like all one and done type players because i'm not saying none of them can be good because we saw zion do it last year um, but you know, they're used to kind of like going out and getting theirs and blowing people out. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. Go. You know, like that, the, but like our, like that Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter team, yes. that's been defend. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you're talking about, you know, in terms of the country, they're both, there is top, a top 15 defense and a top 10 offense. You know, they play at a fast tempo. Um, you know, they're going to get a lot of their own offensive rebounds. They're going to, you know, defensively, you know, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty solid against the three. They're pretty solid about not getting, putting teams on the line. Um, so, I mean, it's a challenge. I I think Virginia's going to have to play, if not its best game of the season, pretty damn close to it. Um, in essence, I think because part of that means slowing down Vernon Carey. And I think Duke, when I've watched Duke this season, I just haven't, I have not gotten the sense that they've figured out yet really how to get him the ball, um, consistently enough right like it, it feels like this is a football team that has a really good running back and offensive line but just doesn't want to go, go to the run like Duke just ends up jacking threes a lot of times when I watch them um and, and I guess that's just you know part and parcel to the to the whole um the whole shooting match but realistically like Virginia's gonna have to defend well um and then make Duke have to you know, you're going to have to make carry get away from the basket. You're going to have to use that space. Um, it does feel like to me, a lot of the stuff they ran against Florida state should work. Um, but at the same token, you know, Virginia's had such a problem with turnovers this year. Um, and for the most part has been able to make hay anyway, right? Like they have been able to, um, you know, they'll turn the ball over some absurd amount, but then they'll only lose, um, points off turnovers, like three points, right. In, I guess a big part of that is because their defense is pretty good. Um, so, I mean, this is going to be an interesting matchup. I felt a lot more confident about past Virginia teams because of the offense, right? When you're, when your offense, when you're playing a top 15 defense, right. And your offense is nationally, what, 200 and something. Um, granted, they're not like the offense we've seen lately is not that right. The offense we've seen lately is much better. And these algorithms don't account for that recency bias. They don't, they don't understand like momentum. 
which you know, in fairness, I understand. But at the same token, it's 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 it is a glaring weakness when you try to break it down. Um, so we won't we won't get into predictions because that would kind of render the um, the preview completely null and void. Um, but let's talk about their bubble situation before we wrap up. Somehow or another, we've it's been just the two of us and we've gone forty five minutes. Um, where do you feel like Virginia is right now? I mean, I think they're sod- solidly in. This game Saturday is is kind of gravy. Uh, they win it. It's much. It, it's it's much more important for them. It, it, it basically it it would be a bigger positive if they won than it would be negative if they lost. I think that's a fair sort of yeah. representation. What this are, is what are your a the, the Duke game specifically is a uh, very little to lose, very much to gain right. situation. Um, same with the Louisville game next week. Um, obviously it becomes a little bit more important if you lose this one and Miami because, you know, then it's like, all right, you want to make sure you get one before the regular season ends. Uh, yeah, this would be – if they win Saturday, I feel very, very confident that they will be in the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, well, I, I think, mean, they're, they're I in. They win, like, you, could, you could put them in Sharpie at yeah, that point. I think and if like, they barring, win, obviously, the 1% sort of uh, all the conference tournaments go crazy. Right, um, right. But I think if anybody hasn't listened to the Patrick Stevens thing he did on Monday, they should. Because what he said is true. Like, you know, all the, the you think about how many variables there are out there in in co- like conference championship weekend, and it's definitely not every team. Because, like, for example, in a league like the Big South, um, if Winthrop wins the league, they're in. If somebody else wins, they're in. But nobody else is getting in. Right. 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 Uh, but then there are some leagues where like some teams could get in as at large as that. You know, like a Dayton situation. Um, where like some random team wins that league, Dayton's still getting in, right? Um, Which is not I always would, the case in that league. Yeah, exactly. I would say that UVA right now is in. I would say like eighty-five, ninety percent chance. Um, I will only say eighty-five because if they could lose the next three and then lose their first in Greensboro, they're in a pretty precarious right. situation. I think their magic um, number is one, and as long as they and, and if they especially beat Duke, if it's one of the two right teams, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I think they're in a situation right now where as long as they didn't like get blown off the floor against Duke and Louisville, right? If they beat Miami, they're going to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel and like, even if they get blown out by those teams, really, like it does, it's not going to hurt their metrics that much. Because right. they're gonna be, they're like top ten teams in, in the net or whatever. So I mean, like, it's not gonna show up as like, and and they cap margins anyway. But yeah, I mean, like, it could kill their Ken Palm or something if they got beat by thirty. <laughs> but that's only one small factor <laughs> in like the net and everything right. else. And that's one thing I do want to say before we go about this. I've seen a lot of people complaining about the net or saying like, why is this team going down and this team going up? The algorithm is basically just set up to. Give the tournament committee and fans, I guess, a picture of where a team is relative to others, right? It's not like, oh, Minnesota's at 53 and UVA's at 54. This is completely messed up. Like, you have to dig a little deeper. And people were using Minnesota. It was like an anecdotal example. They're 13 and 13. So that's why people were like, they're ranked like a few spots ahead of UVA in the 40s. So I looked at their profile and I was like, okay, why is that? Why are they where they are? And is are they an anomaly or is this system like really messed up and it doesn't make any sense? Because I wanted to see. I looked at it and it's the former because they're thirteen and thirteen, but they've played like fifteen quad one games or something crazy. They have like five or six quad one wins, and the reason that their resume is so strong is because all of their losses basically have come on the road. Mm-hmm. And the way that it works is like. Like for quad one, quad one is like a win over a top 30 team at home, 
uh, a, a game against a top 30 team at home, a game against a top 75 team on the road, and a game against a top 50 team on a neutral court. So like UVA uh, beating, what's a good example, like Minnesota on the road would be a quad one win. Um, beating them at home would be a quad two win, if that makes any sense, yeah, because they're in like the forties. Um, so that's what I mean. Like Minnesota is, is like inflated because they have all these losses on the road to teams in like the forties. Um, so those all count as quad one. So when you look, when it goes into the computer, it's like, oh, look at all their quad ones. Like, you know, and they have very, very few games against bad teams. So it pushes their, their number up, but they're 13 and 13. And the people who decide this are human beings. They're going to look at that and say, this team's not getting in. Like they're 15 and 15. <laughs> We're not putting them in. Right. And what Patrick Stevens said on Monday with you was so perfect because what he said is, what they do is it, it gives them an idea of how long they should consider a team. If you have a team in the net in the 50s, they're going to be like, all right, let's take a look. And like Minnesota is a perfect example. Pull up the sheet. Oh, they're 16 and 16. We're not putting them in. Scratch them all. Throw their paper away. But if a team's in the 80s, they're probably not even going to look at it because it's like they're not even close to the field Right. if, if you have a resume like that. And right. there are always outliers. Like he said, there was a team, I forget, uh, I forget who it was, a few years ago, or like the first year they did the net that was like 25 spots below a team that wasn't in the field and they got in because they had all these other things. Um, and then like in the profile for the net, they have like the Ken Palm rating, the Sagarin rating, all these other things they can look at. So, I mean, it, it's kind of like, you know, you get it, it. It's like a paper getting graded. It's not just objective number. It's not like, cause then people wouldn't select the field. It would just be like the BCS. It would just be like, right. okay, and I think the top, whatever teams get, get in. Right. That's exactly the point I was getting ready to make is like, we think of it's it as the BCS. It's not the BCS. Like this is not the BCS. And I think for a lot of fans over the years, right, the metrics have loved UVA, right? They've loved UVA. Yeah, and everybody was like, oh, look at UVA, number one in the net. Right. Like, obviously, they're good. I, right, <laughs> exactly. Like, and now it's now, like – now it doesn't work. Exactly. Now that that, that whole logic – that whole uh, that whole argument is flawed, right? Well, it's, just, it's the same as, you know, a couple years ago. It was like, oh, Virginia's ruining basketball. And then when Virginia wasn't playing well, fans were like, this is, hor- this is really rough to watch, right? Like, well, also, it's like Ken Palm. Remember, I, I remember a few years ago, people were like, when UVA hadn't gone to number one, um, that, yeah, I think it was the year they actually ended up at number one, 2018. Um, people were like, this is so dumb. UVA is number one, one in, in Ken Palm. Palm. Yeah. And they're like number four <laughs> in the polls. And it's like, yeah, well, Ken Palm is not the end all be all. <laughs> like, right. Just because they're more efficient doesn't mean they're like, they deserve to be number one. And also polls don't matter. Who cares? Um, but then that's another thing with this UVA team specifically. Yes, they are winning games. Yes, they have a good record, but that doesn't mean that much. At the, I mean, like it, it does obviously help them get in the tournament. But for these metrics, if you look at, okay, this win they had over Pittsburgh the other day, people were like, oh, they didn't go up after they beat Pittsburgh on the road. Pittsburgh's not good. <laughs> the, like if you look at where they are in the net, they're like 100. They're not a good team. They don't have any good wins except for Florida State in the season opener. And beating them by three on the road is not like – that doesn't move the needle that much. If if um, what's a good example? If NC State beats Pitt, great example on Saturday. Who cares? That doesn't mean anything. That just mo- makes them one game better. Like they're one game closer to um, or away away from five hundred. Let's say um, if UVA beats Duke on Saturday, then people will take notice and they will go up. I promise you in the yeah. metrics. Yeah, uh, and but those these teams that UVA is beating and they're beating them close. It's not. 
it's not going to move their number enough. Like, you can't be like, hey, they won six in a row. How come they're not in the 30s? It's right. like, well, who have they beaten? Right. And that, it's not just that. Yeah. Like, don't lose track of, like, the parody of college basketball, right? Right. And so, everybody else is playing, too. Everybody like, else is playing, and everybody else is beating somebody, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's just there's just random results everywhere you turn around, right? Like, look at Louisville, right? Louisville, Louisville lost to Georgia Tech and Clemson, right? And they're supposed to be good, right? Mm-hmm. Florida State opened the season with a loss to Pittsburgh, right? And and I understand that they they had a really nice run between, you know, and then they like, basically or, didn't lose for like two months. Yeah, I think they lost dis- to Indiana. Yeah, they lost to Indiana, lose. and then they were they were they were pure until um, until UVA beat until them. UVA beat them. They won and, like fourteen games in a row. But here's the thing: if UVA had won that game in Tallahassee, they would have gotten a huge bump from that, right? The fact yeah, that they, they would have been home, like a big quad one, right? Win. Exactly. If they they won it at home, and that's fine. Like that's good. That's that's a very you know that's a good result. But like, if you had won that one in Tallahassee, like that, you would have been, you know, essentially the only team all season to, to win there, other than Florida State, and or that would have been the Louisville result, right? You know? Exactly. So, like, if you think about it, like there, there's a reason that these numbers are what they are. But again, it's not the BCS and attacking the numbers because they're not putting your team where you hope they would be. Like, is just it's problematic because in the you know in other years, probably next year, you're gonna love the net. You know, you're going to love Kim Palm because they're going to tell you how good your team is. Um, and anyway, yeah, like, I mean, imagine imagine next year if UVA is like, you know, when they do this uh, now, they do this regular season thing where they drop the top 16 seeds in right. like yeah. February. Imagine next year if UVA is like number one in the net or number two in the net and the committee has them as like the fourth number one seed or like a two people will be like, but the net. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, I guarantee you, people will be saying it's the that. same. It's the same or thing Ken that Pong. happens. It's the same thing that happens with football rec- or recruiting in general, right? Like the fan fans will will latch on to whichever service has their team better, and if any service has a guy as like a four star or God forbid a five, and another one doesn't, it's like, well, he's a such and such on the other one, and like, okay. Well, not just that. It's also like. uh you know, if a guy's really highly rated, it's like, see, like every, you know, he's very, very good, which is probably true because the guys, people that think that recruiting rankings don't, don't, aren't correlated with success are wrong because yeah. the people look at the combine, the people who were in it or a lot of them were five stars. Right. And that doesn't um, mean that there can't that doesn't be... mean that people can't come from two and three to be right. good. Yeah. Like Bryce numbers Hall. obviously like... bear that out. Yeah. But those, but like, it's, it's, it's just one of those things like where people struggle with nuance, right? It's like. That two things can be true at the same time, right? Like it, it can be true that four and five stars are the the bulk of the the really good players, but also that dudes can develop and and, and kind of overshine that. But and also it, in that scenario, there's only like twenty five stars anyway. So like, of course, there's going to be players that aren't right. five stars that make it. Um, there's a draft with three hundred people getting picked every year. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I think that's what people just need to kind of like chill on that because they think it's like some sort of conspiracy or something, and it's like every. <laughs> The net is just a tool. Like they're gonna right. look at it. If if they if they draw if they don't put UVA in after a strong finish and say, uh, you know what, we didn't like where they were in the net. I wish they were a little lower. Then I'll be the first person to come on here and say like that's stupid. Right. Um, but that's not gonna happen. No. So um, it they look at everything and 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 like I, perfect examples. But I don't want to drag on too long. But like. What Patrick said about Notre Dame is is a great example because Dave texted me the other day and was like, "How come Notre Dame isn't like closer to the bubble?" And I was like, "That's a good question because they're like eighteen and ten. They're not have like a terrible record." So I looked. They have zero. As Patrick said, they have no good wins at all. Their best win is like Syracuse or something. Like they have no good wins, and they've gotten blown out a bunch of times. 
they have 10 losses and their non-conference schedule is a joke. Like they played like five teams sub 300 Ken Palm. They just have nothing to, they have nothing to like at the end of the day, when the selection committee gets to Notre Dame, they're going to be like, what does this team have to hang their hat on? And they're going to be like a 10 and 10 ACC record. And it's like, okay, <laughs> did they beat any of the four teams that are in the tournament? No. no. <laughs> so like, I mean, what they are took we, one what of them to overtime once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they almost beat Florida State, and yeah. they could still beat them. They play them again, but right. I mean, th- that's what I mean. Maybe if they win that game and make a run, then yeah, maybe they get close to the bubble. But like, I mean, if, it, if, if people if, get so caught up in the two, and I tweeted this out the other day, people get so caught up in wins and losses, which yeah. are obviously a factor, but it's not the only factor because then people would just game their schedules to right. make them really easy. Ask NC um, State last year or year right? Before, yeah, whatever I, it was. like the records are not created equal, yeah. and then also. Uh, conference affiliation. People are like, "How do you, UVA's fourth in the ACC? There's no way they leave them out." And it's like they did that a few years ago. <laughs> like yeah. UVA literally was the four seed in 2013, and did not make it. Why? Because they had a bunch of terrible losses. Um, they lost a terrible ODU team in that Governor's Classic thing that got canceled after like two years. Um, they lost to like a really bad BC team that year. A bunch of bad teams, and they beat Duke at home that they one. They lost year. to George like Mason to signature. open. Then they lost yeah, to that, Delaware. They had so many bad losses that year. They yeah. lost to uh, Wake Forest, Clemson, Georgia Tech, all outside the top 100. They lost and to Boston the College, the and then to Florida State. They lost yeah. two of their last three, including and then and, and that was a bad game. Florida State team. Yeah, that, they were like 120th. Yeah, and then in the tournament, it was like, okay, they have a chance to maybe like get a big win over NC State, and they got housed. Yeah, seven, they beat, they lost by twenty. Yeah, so it's like, okay, this team's just not. Yeah, they, they're not strong enough. So, but they were fourth in the ACC, so everybody's like, how can you not put that? T-? That doesn't matter. There, that's literally not part of the selection criteria as conference. But I think that's one of those things that human human fans they right? can talk about it too in the room. They can be like, hey, the ACC is a really tough league, right. and they went but, but twelve dude, and eight. And dude. then somebody else is going to be like, yeah, but they haven't beaten anybody good. But, <laughs> you know? but dude, like we both know that like humans don't care. Like human fans can't think of it like oh that's not a criteria they think it should be right mm-hmm. and it's not even or like they're they... looking historically they're saying like historically like right. last year you acc got 12 or eight teams or whatever so like and the year before it was six and the year before it was eight so it's like how could they leave the fourth but it's like you could go what if a team went oh and 14 in the non-con and then went 12 and eight in the acc somehow or something <laughs> like you can't put, put that them team in. in just put them in yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, if I didn't already but, have a good title, long, that would be long, a good title. Long story short, I think UVA is probably getting in at this point. Yeah, and, and they they deserve it. I think. I mean, there's a lot of, and you were right. I mean, in what you said to Patrick, like the bubble is pretty bad because the sport is just down this. Yeah, year. it's just it's parody everywhere, and so it's like it's not. And that there's the, no stars. Like, there's, yeah, it's, it's not that the bubble itself is really that terrible. It's that everything around, and like, and that's not. It's not even terrible. That's not. I, I shouldn't use that word. It's just inconsistent. Like everything around. Yeah, it's like basketball. when you look at UVA versus another team on the bubble, it's like UVA is one of like, you know, at least they're winning games. Right. Like, and I just said that doesn't mean everything, but like, like, for if example, you look at a 20 and 7 UVA versus a 15 and 12 team, it's right. Yeah, it probably does matter that so, they're 20. And 7. So, as of right now, Kansas is the number one team in Ken Palm. They're 25 and 3. Okay. Mm-hmm. Baylor is at second at 25 and 2. You've got Gonzaga, San Diego State, but then Duke is fifth and they're 23 and 5. Right, Michigan State is seventh. They've lost nine games. There are three teams in Ken Palm's top ten who have lost nine games. 
Yeah, right? I mean, and UGA That's... was the third number one seed, I think, last year, third or fourth. Yeah. And they had, like, what, two losses right. last year? Yeah. Three? They, yeah. they lost to Duke twice, and then they lost to Florida State. Yep. That's it. And That's those it. two, and those three losses were all to teams that were, like, top ten in Ken Palm. Yeah, can we just talk about how, <laughs> like, if, if last year's Duke team or this or last year's Virginia team was in the ACC this year, the, the amount of, like, just – just utter carnage that would be on their schedule is kind of mind numbing if you think about it. Oh yeah, I mean like if this was if you replaced this UVA team which is doing quite well obviously at 12 and 5 with last year's team, I don't know if they go 20 and 0, but, but they be probably don't. they're not losing more than one. <laughs> right. I don't think they're losing more than one cuz like yeah. who's beating them? Yeah. I mean, like, I could see the day that they played Louisville, right? Yeah, I maybe or like Florida State could beat you, you know, on a given night, you know, yeah. they just have a good game or something. But, like, dude, these teams are not as good. No, and that's no. the thing. This year, the ACC in general, the ACC is not a bad league. It's probably underrated. I agree with that. But these teams in the middle, you can't tell me they're good. Yeah. Like, you watch them play, you can tell they're not that good. Like, you can like just Syracuse, the... you think Syracuse is good? <laughs> like, they have no pros on their team. Yeah. The Hughes kid maybe have a cup maybe. of coffee, you know? Like, that's as close as they'll get. But here's they'll the thing. They'll be playing on the whatever team that Justin <laughs> Anderson's on, like the Long Island Mets or whatever. Yeah. The uh, the thing about it, too, is that, like, you look around, like, if you if you just if folks just read the power rankings every week, like, you get through the top three, four, and then you get into the middle, and like nobody in that middle is pushing up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like no, and, and like, oh yeah, the just... movement this year in the power rankings has been hilarious. It's yeah. like I, the first week I did it, the top three teams are the, still the top three teams. UVA was like fourth, and I think UVA we dropped them to like sixth or seventh when they went through that tough spell. Yeah, but where they lost three or four. I mean, and like Virginia Tech was pretty high at one point, but other than that, like everybody, everybody, is it's like, just been like it's been like a it's been like bump drafting in. Uh, in 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 daytona right like you 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 might move some spots but realistically you're in the same place you know what i mean yeah all right we've we've now gone an hour just the two of us um i'm not exactly sure how that happened but hopefully folks enjoyed it but i think our consensus is, is that we feel really good about virginia's spot going into the um the last week and we are uh you know aside from if they lost all three and got housed or something you know i think you're uh I think you're probably pretty good to, to expect UVA to play in the postseason. Dave, yeah. if you can hear us in the basement, uh, <laughs> let us know if you need anything, snacks, you know, whatever. You can hear us in the basement. If you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts. Hopefully the episode is there this week or today. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, basically anywhere that you can get your programs, um, we're there. Um, and if you're so inclined, give us a rating review. helps to get us out in front of more people. If you are somebody who found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Let's see. Right now, I've got video with Casey Morsell that I mentioned. I've got that – oh, my three-part series with Jordan Arsenal. I thought um, he gave us great stuff, um, kind of recounting, like, how he ended up there, what the – you know, how that process works of, like, when they discover a guy and how he gets offered and how that process sort of works with him being a recruiter who can't actually go out and recruit. Uh, he takes us through some stories of, you know, Mike Hollins and Dontavian Wicks and Donovan Johnson and Jonathan Horton and uh, Demick Starling, who was, you know, probably, you know, one of my favorite recruits ever. Um, Ferber's aforementioned power rankings are also there as well, so you can check that out. Let's see what else I got to do. Housekeeping. Uh, I want to thank uh, Thorium Wealth and Second String Sports for their support of the show. You can check out thoriumwealth.com. Uh, for more information, full disclosures, T-H-O-R-I-U-M wealth.com and then secondstringsports.com with a two. Um, hit the Fanatics link if you haven't already. It doesn't have to be UVA stuff. Anything that you buy there, just get to the uh, get there via our link. Um, it helps to support the, the site, and I appreciate that. 
yeah, and I, I, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Um, I haven't done this in a few weeks, so I'll say it. 346 episodes, um, and you people still listen to us. So um, I don't know if that's a, um, th- a good sign for us or a bad sign for you, but we appreciate it nonetheless. So for Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.